Go ahead and open your Bibles to uh, Matthew 2. Steve read the passage, so I'm not going to read it again. But go ahead and have it open. We'll be referring to that. Have you ever noticed how much stuff there is out there on the Internet? I mean, you can find just about anything, and maybe half of it's true. How do you know the difference between truth and what's really not? Um, well, it requires search. It requires uh, trying to find the truth. The wise men teach us about so much truth in, in the Christmas story. The wise men were willing to go to any length to come and find Jesus. Matthew 2, 1 says that after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of King Herod, wise men from the east arrived in Jerusalem. Now, we're not sure where they came from, uh, but we believe they made a journey of many days' distance uh, and at great expense. Now, Jerusalem, where Jesus was, excuse me, Bethlehem, where Jesus was born, was only six miles from Jerusalem. It's not very far. Um, closer than from here to Tulsa or here to, uh, to Coweta. Uh, wouldn't take you long to walk there, but um, even though Bethlehem was so close to Jerusalem, nobody came from Jerusalem. Now, Jerusalem was the spiritual center of the world at that time. There were a lot of religious leaders there. Uh, none of them came seeking Jesus. Only people from outside came seeking Jesus. Uh, the shepherds, now they were outsiders, not because they weren't from Judaism, but because they were outside of the, they, they couldn't go to the temple to worship. The wise men were from a completely different culture. But think about all the people that missed Jesus. King Herod, who was the king of the Jews, he missed Jesus. He knew where he was born. Uh, the religious leaders that told King Herod where he would be born, they missed Jesus. The business leaders of Bethlehem that turned away Joseph said there's no room. They miss Jesus. Unfortunately, there are a lot of people today that miss Jesus. Uh, probably because they aren't looking for him. But these wise men made this trip. They were willing to do anything to find the one who was born king of, king of the Jews. And that's wisdom. We can't get, let anything get in the way of our search for Jesus. Jesus said one time, uh, the kingdom of heaven is like a pearl that's so valuable, we'll sell everything we have to get it. Seems these wise men from the east understood that parable long before Jesus ever spoke. They were willing to make this sacrifice, to give up the comforts of their home. Now, I don't know whether they rode on camels or they walked or rode on donkeys, but it's not like when you came to church this morning, you got in and you turned the car on and you turned the heater up and eventually the car warmed up and you had nice, comfortable seats and, and it wasn't much of an effort to get to church, but they searched a lot. Now, let me ask you, they gave up a lot to come to worship Jesus. What would you give up to worship Jesus? Though we often think about the star over the manger, uh, I love that story. When we hung it yesterday, it was about a foot higher. The, the stretchy stuff in, that was up with it, it seemed. But anyway, um, we think about the wise men and the shepherds and the Christmas decorations, but the wise men really came later, maybe up to two years later. In fact, uh, 
there's a lot of evidence in Scripture that they didn't come 12 days after Jesus was born, like, like uh, some traditions celebrate in Christendom. Uh, one, one reason that we know that Jesus didn't, uh, they didn't come to, to the manger to find Jesus was they came and they found the word child. It says there in, in uh, um, verse 11, entering the house, they found the child. That's not the word baby. Uh, we might refer to Eve, who's, what is she, two months now? Might refer to her as a child, but really when you look at her, you think of a child as someone like Zach or Gwenny, that's big enough to walk around. The word that's used in the scriptures is, is a Greek word that means uh, more than a, a baby, a child. Um, it could be trans, translated to be, be baby, but usually it means an older child. But that's, that's not conclusive. Uh, the second evidence that the wise men came later is they found him in a house. Uh, it's not the same word that, that Luke used for stable. It's, it's a place that means a residence, a home. So sometime after Jesus was born in the stable, Joseph went out and rented a place for them to stay. We don't know what it was like. We don't know whether it was big or small, probably small because he was poor. But the implication is that it was a home. Um, the third biblical evidence that they didn't come up until two years later was that Herod... When he found out the wise men had tricked him, went out and had all the children, the male children up to two years old, put to death. Well, they wouldn't do that if they were just looking for a baby. Um, I got to looking. You know, there's a lot of prophecy we've looked at that talks about the birth of Jesus. We, we, we know where he, where he was going to be born from from the scriptures, we know that he was going to be a, a descendant of King David. We know that he was going to be the savior of the world. But were there any prophecies about the wise men? Well, possibly. Some scholars say that Isaiah 60 verse 3 point to the wise men. And the Gentiles shall come to your light and kings to the business, to the brightness of your rising. This is a, a, a series of passages, passages that talk about the Messiah. And this foreshadows the wise men and many others coming to Christ. Um, but the wise men came to seek Jesus. There are some things we can learn from the wise men that I want us to look at today. First, they came seeking a Savior. Now, a lot of what we know about the wise men is really legend. Um, when I was uh, in fourth grade, I remember that that uh, we put on a big Christmas musical in my school. And all of us wise men, our costume, daddy's robe. Can I get a witness? You know, that, that's what we wore. I don't think the wise men wore bathrobes. I may be wrong, but I don't think so. Um, the thing we don't know about them is how many were there? Well, we think probably three gifts. Three gifts means three men, but we don't know that for certain. In Eastern Christianity, especially in the Syrian church, uh, they believe that there were 12 magi. I found another source, and I thought this was interesting. He thought that there were over 300 magi with an, with an army, and that's why Herod was afraid. Now, there are not a lot of people except that, that 
theory, but that was one of them that was out there. And then uh, uh, another one a little bit later I'll share with you. Um, we don't know for sure where they came from, just from the east. Literally, the word means from the rising. So, from the east. We don't know their names, though there's an Armenian tradition that says that they were Gaspar of India, Melchior of Persia, and Balthazar of Arabia. Again, that's not found in the Bible. And we don't know how far they traveled. Some people say, well, they traveled up to 1,200 miles. And if they came from the Far East, as some traditions say, well, they came a lot further than that. Uh, in the Bible, in the Greek, which the New Testament was written in Greek originally, uh, they're called magi. And so a lot of scholars believe they come from the Medo-Persian Medo uh, empire area of modern-day Iraq. And from the priestly caste, they were not rich kings like in the song, We Three Kings. Pretty popular, but they weren't kings. Um, and then this book that was published recently, and, and uh, it stated his belief that they were priests from the kingdom of Nabataea, which is a province of Arabia, and that they were descendants of King Melchizedek. Anybody remember that name, Melchizedek? Yeah, he was, he was the priest king of Jerusalem, of Salem, that Abraham gave tithes to. Now, we don't know whether this is true, but that's what his, his theory is. The word magi, we get the word magician from it. And they were really mystical guys. They, they were trained, according to their religion, if they're really magi, to see the unseen. They were stargazers. Excuse me, I'll get out in a minute. They were stargazers and mathematicians and theologians and interpreters of dreams and maybe a priestly cast of, of uh, a religion called Zoroastrianism or maybe even uh, had Jewish roots. Uh, they may have had access to the prophecies of the Messiah from the time of, of the captivity. And so they would have known about the coming of a, of a Messiah to be king. Uh, and like other wise men that served at that time, they would have served a king. Now, what we do know for certain, all this is speculation, all this is ideas that people have. What we do know is that wise men came from the east in and arrived in Jerusalem asking about him that was born to be king of the Jews. And they followed a star. And that's what they said, let it be known. They came to worship Christ. Now, we know Herod was a terrible man. He hated, uh, he, he wanted to rule no matter what. In fact, he killed several of his own sons and two of his ten wives because he didn't want any pretenders to his throne. Uh, and when the news came, Herod was troubled and it says all Jerusalem with him. And so he told these wise men, okay, and now, now Herod was shrewd. He wasn't wise, he was shrewd. But he said, okay, tell me what you've learned. And, and they said, well, we know he's going to be born. Where is he going to be born? And so he went and talked to his, his uh, religious leaders, and they searched the scriptures. And, and, and in Micah, they found out that he was going to be born in, in Bethlehem. So he sent him, in, but he said, when you find him, come back and tell me. So I can go and worship him. I don't know how he kept a straight face about it. Because he had no idea. He had no plans to worship. Anyway, uh, armed with the information, they went. And they found Jesus. And they worshipped him. And they gave him gifts. 
So what made these wise men so wise? First, they didn't let their culture, their religion, or their tradition get in the way of seeking the king. Now, not a lot of people today will do that. Uh, They went worshiping. And speak of a sacrifice, they left all that they knew behind to go and find Jesus. In many places in the world, culture and tradition keep people from Jesus. When uh, we were in Brazil, one of the places that we visited, uh, we were doing door-to-door evangelism, which is not something that you do very often in Brazil. Uh, I, they don't, their traditions are different, but anyway, we're doing door-to-door evangelism. And in most places, you have a, a, uh, a fence around your yard. In this town, town, they didn't have it. And with a fence, it meant a gate, so you couldn't go up to the house. You had to go out at the, at the street, and you had to clap your hands to get their attention because they didn't have doorbells. But this one house, we went to the door, and the guy opened, and he came out on the porch and visited with us, and we told him about Jesus. And he said this, I don't care what the Bible says. The padre, the priest, says this, and that's what I'm going to follow. People all over the world follow tradition, follow men, follow their culture, but they won't seek Jesus. These men were wise because they sought Jesus. There's a problem in the United States that people aren't open to truth. Our culture is becoming more and more anti-church and anti-Christian, especially among those that are Gen Zers. But even some of the newer research points out that they may be open to to discussions uh, about religion or Jesus because they're not really anti-religion and anti-Jesus. They're just anti-church. And when you look at the, the... the surveys about it, you, you find out there are a lot of things we won't go into right now, but basically uh, their perceived need is that the church is irrelevant in their lives. So how do we reach them? How do we reach this generation that's not seeking for wisdom? Well, we have to compete, continue to point to the church, excuse me, have to continue to point to the truth. The truth has to be the standard. We must continue to share Jesus without watering down the gospel, without changing the gospel to meet societal standards. There's something about holding up truth that's timeless. The second thing, if we're going to reach a generation that's not seeking for truth, we need to to love them unconditionally, despite their lifestyle, despite their dress or outward appearance, despite their values. That's what Jesus did. He didn't accept the sin of of the people around him, yet they loved him. When they brought the woman to Jesus who was caught in adultery, and he finally sent away the crowd because they too were sinners, Jesus asked her, is there no one to condemn you? She said, no one, Lord. He said, neither do I. Go your way and do what? Sin no more. We can love people despite their sin. It's interesting that we preach for people to come to Jesus just like they are, yet we expect them to be just like us before we accept them. We need to love people just the way they are. 
and overcome our prejudices and love them with the love of Christ. So let's not make our culture what keeps people from coming to Jesus. Secondly, the wise men were wise because they were persistent in seeking the truth. When I think about them, I think of the word tenacious. I think of the word bulldog. You ever see a bulldog when he's after something? They won't let go. They won't quit. And that's what these wise men were. They were tenacious. They traveled possibly hundreds or thousands of miles and many weeks or months, maybe up to two years to come and find Jesus. They wouldn't let any barrier keep them from Christ. Now, we don't know what they faced. We don't know whether they came in the... uh, the heat of the summer because they came later. We don't know whether it was winter time. We don't know what they faced, but they traveled a lot to see Jesus. We too need to be persistent in seeking the truth. And remember, this is truth. We need to persistently seek out God's teachings. It's not enough to have this at home or to, to bring it to church with you. We need to, we need to seek it out, see what God's teaching us about in the truth. And thirdly, the wise men were wise because they worshipped the king. These learned men literally were willing to bow before Jesus. That's the reason they made their journey. And they brought him gifts. They brought him gold. Gold uh, is, is precious. They sacrificed to give a gift worthy of a king. And they brought him frankincense. Now, I don't know whether you've ever smell frankincense. When, when I was in uh, Israel back in uh, my seminary's days, we went into to one of the temples and you could smell the, the incense and it was sweet uh, smelling. Uh, it it's comes from a tree called a Boswalia carteri tree. Um, and they use the, this, this incense that comes at for, for in, in worship in the temple. And it's a symbol of prayer. Um, the third was myrrh. Myrrh is a reddish-brown gum from the bark of another tree called the Comophora myrrha tree, and it's only found in a few places in the world. And because it's so hard to obtain, myrrh was more expensive in that day than either the frankincense or the gold. And in some places, only the kings owned the myrrh trees. And it was used as incense in offering in the temple. Uh, So when the wise men gathered, they gave him gifts to worship him. They gave him gold so that they might worship him as a king. They gave him frankincense, a symbol of the prayers of the people there in the temple, the prayers of God's people being answered. And they gave him myrrh, which was symbolic of the fact that he came to be a great high priest. They came to worship him, to to put their allegiance for him. Uh, They wanted to make a sacrifice to serve him. So if we're wise, we too make worship important, a priority. Now sometimes we say, you know, I went to, to, to church today, but I really didn't get anything out of the worship. You know, worship's not for you. Worship's for God. Worship is our leaving our offering before Him. It's not just the, the gifts we bring, but our allegiance, our, our, our bowing before Him. Wise men still worship the Lord. And then 
the wise men were wise because they listened to God. Remember after, after they saw the wise men, excuse me, after the wise men saw Jesus, God came to them again and told them to go home by another way. And they heard, they listened, they did what God said. Um, many of us men have been accused of having selective hearing loss. That is, we only hear what we want to hear. Now, that's the, I'm not saying it's true. I just say we've been accused of that. But I think sometimes we do that to God. Okay, God, I'll listen to you because I want to go to heaven, so I'll, I'll accept Jesus, but I don't want to follow you. I don't want to do all the things you say. But hearing God and following God means to listen to all that he has to say. Many people forget that, that following God means listening to him and doing it as he says. So we need to be wise men. We need to be wise men like the wise men because we don't let culture or tradition or prejudices or anything else keep us from Jesus. <coughs> Excuse me. Jesus is the one sent by God to be the Savior of the world, and we need to follow him and surrender to him with our whole life. We need to be persistent in seeking out truth because there's so much of not truth out in the world today. <coughs> Excuse me. There's so many things that, that the world tries to pour out that even kind of seem like truth but aren't. Kind of like some of the old wives' tales we used to hear. They seem like they're right, so they must be right. No. We need to be persistent in seeking truth. And we find truth in the Word of God. We need to be persistent to dig out the Word of God, to find out what God's saying to us, and be obedient to follow it. We need to make sure that, that our life is lived in allegiance to the Lord Jesus Christ, that we worship Him with our life. Paul wrote, uh, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your reasonable worship. And don't be conformed to the image of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is the good, acceptable, and perfect will of God. What Paul is saying is we live our life in worship to the Lord so that everything we do glorifies Christ. And when we fail, we repent so that we can be restored to a right relationship and continue to live in a way that bothers Him, that, that glorifies Him. We live our life as an act of obedience to the Lord. And we have an even greater reason to follow the Lord than the wise men did. Because as we know, Jesus Christ is Lord and Savior, the one that died for us, we give Him our obedience. We give Him our love. We follow Him because He did so much for us. Wise men still seek Him today. Will you surrender your life anew to follow Him? Will you seek Him with all your heart? Will you follow the Lord and love Him? That's what we can learn from the message of the wise men as they came seeking the Lord. Will you seek Him with your heart and life? Father, we praise You for Your grace. 
We thank you, Lord, for the example we see here in Scripture of men that came from a great distance to come and to find Jesus and to worship him and to honor him. Father, I pray as your spirit deals in our hearts and lives today that we're obedient, that we'll be quick to say, yes, Lord. I pray, Father, we'd be wise as these men were, not letting our cultural baggage, our society that we live in keep us from the truth, but that we seek out truth and that we're willing to faithfully obey, that we'll follow you and honor you with our lives, that we'll listen to you just as these men heard you speak, and that we'll be obedient to bring you glory. Father, may our lives be lived as an act of worship to you. And as you deal in our hearts today about those things that are are not are keeping us from being faithful to you, that we would be willing to repent today and say, Lord, I will follow you. I'll surrender my all to you. And Father, if there's anyone here today that does not know Jesus as Lord and Savior, they'd be willing to say, I repent of my, my sin and surrender my life to Christ. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. What's God saying to you today? How's God dealing in your heart? As he deals with you, you say, Lord, do what you want. If you need to receive Jesus as Lord and Savior, I encourage you to do that today. If you've got a decision God laid on your heart, come share it with me so we can share it with the church. At least put it on the communication card so we can know. Put it in the offering box later.